0: If you are having trouble seeing on the water, uh, whether it's from glare or uh, just not great sunglasses, I recommend a pair of Costas. They are specifically made for the water, and they help keep you out there longer. Uh, my wife does not like wearing sunglasses. Got her pair of Costas. She can't even take them off of her. She wears them all the time now, and uh, yeah, I just don't want her to go blind when she's fifty. So uh, protect your eyes, get some good sunglasses, because cheap sunglasses actually don't protect your eyes that well. You need something with UV protection, and Costas do that. So go to their website, CostasSunglasses.com, and give them a shot. And you don't need to be out on the water all the time. You can use them anywhere the the sun is shining. And uh, <laughs> how's that for marketing? Oh, boy. All right, anyway, check out Costas. They support the show, so... Thank you to them. All right, let's get on with it. Also, check out CS Instant Coffee, the makers of the world's best instant Arabica coffee. I took some with me backpacking this weekend. It was amazing. Check them out, csinstant.coffee, and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout for 20% off.
1: I found a vulture like underneath me the other day, and I saw him circling, and I was like, woohoo! Like, and I started circling with it. And it was just like, there was no one in the air, and I was alone just with this bird. And I was following it because I was like, you have more experience than me.
0: This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, trying to help you find adventure every day in any stage of life. You're going to hear from explorers, adventurers, business owners, and anyone living their life a little more out of the box than usual. Hey, hope you're having a good week so far. This is a throwback episode from early last year, and Kurt did the interview. Um, it's with Yvette Owyou, talking about three types of flying that she does. She's, she's young, um, but very experienced, and, and has a very interesting stories. so I hope you enjoy. We just haven't featured flying in a while. But if there's a sport out there that you want to hear please just reach out to us like we always want we want to keep it varied we want to do what you want to do like people ask um, for something I will literally try to find someone that day uh, in that sport or has done that adventure so that we can interview them the show you know is really about you and, and speaking of that we are gonna to have to make some changes soon we're going to be um, unless something drastically changes we're gonna probably have to dial the show back to two episodes a week. We've been doing three a week for over a year now and uh, love it. Wish I could keep doing it, but uh, it's just taken up too much time and just got to dial it back. We're just going to take out the revisited episode um, instead of, but instead of having the new episode on Friday, it's going to be on Thursday again. So Monday, Thursday is a new episode each week um, unless something big changes in the next couple weeks. So, <laughs> but all right, that's what it's going to be and uh yeah hope you enjoyed this episode and and keep listening keep supporting the show we're growing every month you know nice and steady so keep sharing it i know these stories are, are, are meant for somebody out there and if you're on an adventure right now best of luck to you and uh get in touch we'd love to hear from you all right here's the interview
2: Hey, Kurt here. Today's show is about flight, not just one type of flight, but it's about learning to fly in three different ways. Yvette Awayo is on the horn with me, and she is down in Phoenix, near Phoenix, Glendale, Arizona. She tells me she's sitting outside like one of these sidewalk cafes, and it's sunny, and she has on a tank top, and it's really nice, so the rest of us can just start being jealous right now. But Yvette... Thank you for coming on the adventure sports podcast to share your love of flying today.
1: Hello, Kurt. (laughs) It's nice to be here.
2: Well, we're really excited to hear all about it. And so we're going to also hear the birds and the buses and the cars and the wind, and that's going to be part of the fun.
1: Sweet. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw someone on their a motorcycle just stall out when they're making a turn right in front of me. I'm like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> like, this is actually exactly what's happening right now.
2: Well, you give us the play-by-play. Keep us entertained. We do motorcycles on the show too, so that's good. It's all good. <laughs> so Yvette grew up in Arizona and took up flying some time back, and she started with sailplanes or gliders, right? and then went to prop planes, and then to hang gliding. She also does river guiding, and she's a climber, just another adventurer extraordinaire. So, Yvette, (laughs) we're excited to hear all about it, but we're going to focus most of our energy on hang gliding, right? Okay, sweet, Yep. Okay, but we want to hear about your journey into flight. And I was thinking about this before we hit record. I was remembering the (laughs) Wright brothers, and it's kind of <laughs> funny because their first flyable airplane wasn't that far removed from a hang glider in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were really similar.
2: But I mean, the whole idea of something really, really light that you can get in the air with just a slight breeze, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, and they still do. Um, they still do hang gliding out there because that was like a really great spot um, where they started. I'm not too sure. If, oh my gosh, it's like near Kitty Hawk. Kitty Hawk King gliding or something like that. They Kitty Hawk they Kites. Do, yeah, Kitty Hawk Kites, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. They have those events like all the time. They're having a huge one coming up. I'm not quite sure about the name, but I was I was thinking about going to it before I before I peel out this season for guiding. Um, but yeah, I I don't think I'm like as far like I don't think I'm like as far as advanced as those guys. But really i kind of i didn't even get started in it like i think usually people do i was you know i always hear from like you hear from like fellow like pilots who are in the in it for a long time they're always like oh i like i had dreams about this and i was a kid and this is always like a huge fantasy of mine and i made it happen and i'm like oh man like that's not how i got into it at all um I kind of, you know, I started in sailplanes, and that really happened on accident. I remember it was a few years ago. I I was, you know, I was in college, and it was my birthday, and I, I remember I was like, oh, I want to make this the best birthday ever, like, and I was by myself. <laughs> so I ended up, I was like, oh, maybe I can go on a lovely hike. So I ended up driving um, north of Phoenix, and I saw this, like, beautiful rock formation, like, out way out in the desert and was like oh that's it I'm going to that and I had like half a tank of gas and like I'm like getting closer and closer to the rock and then it starts getting like it's like the road starts turning into like a service road and it's like it's bumpy and I'm in like a small sedan and I'm like oh gosh I might not be able to make it so finally comes a point to where it's like only high clearance vehicles and I disappointed because I was like oh man I told myself it'd be an amazing birthday I turn around and I start heading back to Phoenix and I I pass by the sign and I'm pretty much in the middle of the desert and it says like glider rides. And there's like this, like, you know, it's a picture of a sailplane. And I'm like, Whoa, what is that? So I, I turn around and I go up there and there's, um, who would end up being my future instructor, Gary with North, um, Northwest sky sports. He's there. and I'm like, hi, it's my birthday. I'm here to have like a wonderful time. And, and he is like, Oh, sweet. Glider rides are 150. And I was like, I don't have that much money on me. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I was like, Oh, like I was like, turned around walking away. And he was like, well, I could just take you up and, um, I'll just take you up anyways. And I was like, what? like, I was so thankful. You know, no one's ever really done anything like that for me. And I was so scared. We were up there and I was like, is this worth it? <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't know if this is the right idea. I, I was like, I didn't even tell anyone where I was. If this thing goes down, how are they going to find my body? <laughs> and um, and I ended up, you know, the ride was fun and I got down and I was leaving and he was like, well, do you want to take lessons? And I was like, oh wait, actually, sorry, I'm getting it kind of mixed up. So I'm leaving and I already in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to call back tomorrow and pay him back with my credit card. And so I call him in like two days and to pay him and I pay him that difference. And then he's like, well, do you want to take glider rides? And I'm like, I can't afford that. I'm in college. I'm like, I couldn't even afford a ride. Like, And he was like, well, I can give you discounted lessons. And I was like, wow. So I started going out there and I remember I didn't tell my family about this at all. They're so conservative and like safe. I was like going out there and I went out like four times and and I was learning. I was like, wow, I really love this. I think I'm going to stick with it. And, and then I told my family, I was like, Hey, I think I'm a pilot now. And they were like, what? And I was just like, yeah, like, like it's amazing. And, and, um, and you know, from there I just kind of, I met people and I asked around and I, I wanted to find a way to make that my life. So I found someone who gave me some private lessons on a prop plane and he moved back to Utah because he was on his way for commercial airlines. So I've been kind of just studying for my private pilot's license, which I still haven't got yet. Cause I am like, I spread myself out thin over activities, but so like about a year ago, I, I was like, I want to, you know, I want to fly and I want to find something that's like relatively cheap, but different. And I found, you know, I tried to get in contact with this one guy who was offering lessons and he kept turning me down. He was like, I was like, I really want to fly with you. He was like, I'm so busy. Like he didn't even get back to me until like a month after and it was already getting warm here. So I knew the thermals were kicking off already. And I was like, I was like, I really want to fly. And he was just like, oh, I'm so busy. Go to these people, Sonora, it's called Sonora Wings. And I was like, no, like I want to go with you. You seem like older, more experienced. And he was just like, no, like really go to these people. So I go over to Sonora Wings, which is like amazing now, um, and I tell them I'm like, oh, I have experience in sailplanes, so I think they assumed I like knew how to fly or something. (laughs) Uh, So so we get there, and I don't know. You said you haven't been on a tandem yet, but basically it's like this like huge hang glider that has um, two harnesses, you know, one below and one above, and you can both control the hang glider. So. So the student can be on top or below, but usually I put more experienced students below because you have more control of the hang glider. Um, and that was my first time out there. And I remember it was already hot because the season was ending for Sonora wings. They leave, so they leave Arizona, um, around May or June because it's just too hot and they go back to, um, Jackson and Wyoming and do hang gliding. Yeah, they do hang gliding out there too. and I remember it was, like, warm, and so that means it was, like, it was kind of active, so the air was really bumpy and stuff, and and they put me on bottom. So, basically, I'm, like, I'm, like, not that small, but I was a lot smaller than my tandem instructor. And <laughs> So, basically, it means you have to move your own body, the hang glider, and the weight of the other person when you're on tow. So, they work by aerotow, so a small, experimental, like, light aircraft pulls the hang glider up. So basically, that's like a lot of force on the airplane. And, you know, you have to you have to know what you're doing, basically, which is not the case for me. So we get on tow and um, and it's kind of bumpy. And I'm like and they put me on the bottom. So I have more control and I'm kind of frightened. I'm like, I've never done this. Like and they're toying me up. And again, I felt that feeling. I was like, is this even worth it? Like <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and um, and I remember there's there's this thing that can happen until it's called a lockout. So basically the glider starts going into a turn and it's, it's like so much pressure that it's like almost impossible to correct it and get back behind the airplane. So you start turning and, you know, if you're close to the ground, it could be a, a bad situation, but we were about to release and, and I remember my instructor was like, press the release. And I was like trying to, and like, and I was so scared because we were starting to like lock out, which I didn't know what was happening at first. I just knew the glider was starting to go like, it was starting to like go sideways. And I was like, oh my God. Like, And I was like, I knew I had more control and I couldn't get the release. And finally, you know, we got it and everything was fine. But they were like, yeah, the season here is ending. So I don't know why you came out so late. And I was like, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but
2: <laughs> What a wild ride. What a wild way to start. Yeah. That's crazy. So, we, you got to tell us the rest of the story of this first ride. I got to hear it. But I just have to say, I mean, it, it, this is like, oh, it's my birthday, and oh, I couldn't get to the rocks I wanted to get to, and oh, well, the, the, I don't have the money to to go up in the glider, and oh, but he's going to let me go up for free, and oh, but I can't do lessons with these guys, and oh, but these guys, but it's, you know what I mean? It, everything was just <laughs> like it happened, right?
1: Yeah, it was just like it happened like for me, and I was just like. I, you know, there was opportunities and I was like jumping on them right when they presented themselves, you know.
2: I think that might be key, huh? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I like, I tried to behave like that now, except sometimes, you know, in reality, it's not a very good habit to have if you're like trying to be responsible, But, <laughs> but it's been really fun.
2: <laughs> well, I have to say the first time I skied. Was because the opportunity presented itself. I didn't expect it. It happened. I grabbed, I, you know, I jumped for it. The first time I went scuba <laughs> diving, the opportunity just presented itself. I jumped for it and, and it happened. Yeah. I didn't plan these things. They were just things I wanted to try someday. And sometimes when you have a list like that and you're patient, it happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And then it becomes part of you and you're like, wow, like this actually worked out.
2: <laughs> that's right. It goes from I hope to to I am right? I am a scuba diver. I am a skier. I am a hang glider now. So that was your first hang gliding flight. Once you got off the tow and were just flying, (laughs) what was it like?
1: Oh my gosh. It was so wonderful because I've, I've only experienced, you know, being in the sky, like in the closed container. Um, I remember my instructor like opened the door of the cockpit of the sailplane but I was like it, the wind was so loud going against the aircraft that I was like scared right. but it's so quiet up there and um and it's it's really intuitive like it's it's really an intuitive sport so for me someone who like I only have technique to go off of because I'm not that strong I just you know I really appreciate it and like you can feel the weather changing and like hitting your face and it's it's amazing you're like you're in a completely different environment that i think is kind of hard to recreate in situations where you're not actually just hanging in the sky
2: mm. <laughs> that sounds so cool so that's been more attractive to me than flying in a like a simulation plane that sounded like an airplane too let me guess that's a bus
1: <laughs> yeah it was sorry <laughs>
2: about that <laughs> no worries <laughs> You know, I think it's great when we catch up with someone adventurous and they're out and about. You know, it's just part of the lifestyle sometimes. I'm out and about myself right now, I didn't tell you, but I am on my mobile recording station. So, it's all good. cool. Yeah. I love modern technology.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to be able to work remotely from, you know, wherever you want, basically, as long as you have that internet signal.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I was starting to ask more about this flight, but I guess where I was headed with it is that, you know, I have taken a couple of flying lessons in a Cessna and I enjoyed that a lot, but I always thought I really just want to fly like a bird. Flying with a a piece of metal equipment is cool, but I'd really like to get that sensation of being the bird in the sky. And I think that's what you're talking about, right?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because you're, yeah, you're, there's nothing that can help rise you up other than your own knowledge and you know feeling the air so yeah there's it's pure it's just a pure feeling
2: wow so I have to ask about um was that first flight just really really scary really really exciting (laughs) did you walk away from it saying okay I don't have to do that again or was it like (laughs) I am so hooked I'm down with this
1: no, I was like, oh, no, like, I've ruined my future. It's like, I have to do this now. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. I, because I, I was, like, secretly so happy on the inside, but when they were like, how was it? I was, like, it was nice. <laughs> but I was like, oh, like, I was, like, talking about it for days on end, like, when I left, and, and, you know, that was something that I think I, I've experienced certain dif- certain fl- like modes of flight and I think that one for me and I haven't tried paragliding so I wouldn't know that one for me was like it felt so natural and it felt so much easier like if I always had trouble finding thermals and sailplanes because I was like disconnected from the atmosphere you know I couldn't mm. feel everything that was happening They say if you enter, you know, if you cross the thermal, one of your wings tilts up and I had so much trouble like recognizing that. But as soon as I, you know, in hang gliders, you feel it and you really feel it because you're like this like tiny, this tiny little bird in the sky and it just like the wind kicks you and you're like, oh, that's it. And you just, you go, right, you turn your wing right back into it. And, and it was just like game changing for me. I mean, I was like, I can't do anything else now. Like this has to be it.
2: Okay, so here's one of my concerns about hang gliding. And it's not founded. I am a hang gliding ignorant person, okay? <laughs> but you have tubing, you have fabric, you have cables, and that's it. And I, I think, ah, it scares me a little bit because fabric tears, cables fray, tubing snaps. I mean, are these things really safe? Do you feel safe when you're, when you're on your kite?
1: I yeah I feel really safe I mean they are rigid structures so I think collapsing is less common in a hang glider which is what I'm afraid of is collapsing so that's when the wings like do snap and I've I haven't never experienced that because I'm new so I'm like a beginner novice and um I've heard I hear like paragliding basically is just like mini collapses like all the time and you're responding to it and that just freaks me out because I I don't know. I, I don't know how I would react to it. I know how I would react to it in a hang glider. I would have to throw my chute because you, you know, everyone has one connected to their harness. Um, but I feel, I feel really safe in it. That's I'm trying to think something. of, That's yeah. Cool. And that yeah, and I'm like a scared person. I get scared really easily. Like on mountain biking, I was like, I get scared of like, but in hang gliding, I haven't, I'm, and again, like I'm new. So, maybe I haven't been in situations where I could have, you know, gotten hurt. Whereas other people have. there, I hear about, you know, people's people getting tossed in a really turbulent air and, you know, their wings like snap or something, but I don't, I don't know cause I haven't gone through it yet. So, <laughs> well, I mean, if the
2: wing snaps, I'll let you know.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen that and it looks like so fast and aggressive that, of course you only have one option when that really happens is to throw your shoe. Cause there's not, but you kind of, you weigh that before you go into it. You're like, well, is this worth it? And then you decide from there. And I mm. think it's worth it. But
2: <laughs> so how many flights have you done?
1: Oh my gosh. It's hard to say. I think I, hold on. I'm trying to do the math in my head. Maybe I've gone up probably 30 times, 25
2: I was going to say, have you run out of fingers and toes? Have you been up that many
1: times yet? (laughs) So basically I started last season and I had like six flights on tandem and then they threw me off of Miriam crater. So there's like old like hills in Flagstaff, Arizona that are like remnants of some cinder cone volcano or something. So I did that. And then the season ended here in Arizona because when it's hot, it's like there's dust devils and thermals and can be really dangerous, but, um, I've done like so many flights this season that I don't even, I can't even remember, but they've all been pretty short until fairly recently.
2: So were they short because that's part of the training program or were they short because of the conditions or what made them short?
1: No, they were short. Um, as far as the training goes and the people who, who are like mentoring me, they want to keep me safe. So they set me off and it's called like glass offs. It's just really smooth air. And there's not a lot of, like, therm- thermal activity when I'm going up because I just want to really, like, fine-tune the way I behave in the glider. So it's based off of my mentors, you know. And the people who are instructing me, like, at Snore Winks. They're like, we want to keep you in stable conditions so the air's not, you know, moving around a lot and you're not getting thrown around just so that way you can get really comfortable in landing. And then, you know, they slowly started introducing me to more, like to being towed in, like, more thermally conditions and, you know, landing on my feet and this and that, and it wasn't until, like, I think a couple days ago, they actually gave me one of their variometers, so it shows your altitude, and if you're gaining lift or losing lift, so if you're going up or down, and I was, like, obsessed with it. I was, like, in the air, and, like, it beeps really fast when you're, you know, when you're gaining lift, so... I would just hear that beeping and I was like, yes, like I was so <laughs> obsessed with it that I ended up yeah I was obsessed with it I was chasing it. I was like, I can totally see why people get themselves into trouble like into sticky situations like of being low because they're chasing that you know that lift and the sound and and yeah, that was it. Sorry if I got off track.
2: No, it's awesome. I just love to hear about the experience. It's fun. It's amazing. So let's go back to that very first tandem flight and tell us about the <laughs> landing. What were you thinking and feeling as you're coming toward the ground and how did it turn out?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, what if my face like scrapes like along the ground, like a cheese grater? That's like the only thing oh. I thought It's like, wait a second. <laughs> Cause that was when I really realized that there was nothing in between me and the ground that was like, where I was like, maybe I like sailplanes. And then I was like, <laughs> because you have that like protection.
2: Yeah but you flare the you flare the hang glider just before oh, yeah, you hit okay. and then were you able to land on your feet how did it turn out
1: no so actually tandem hang gliders have these two huge wheels in the front and a tail wheel so you can basically you basically land like a regular sailplane so you come in you know with a little bit of speed and as you're getting into ground effects, so as you're getting closer to the ground you just you know you ease up on the controls and slow down and then you push out and you flare so it's it's pretty similar to sailplanes, which um at first was like intimidating and you don't in Arizona actually you don't from where I'm learning you learn to land on wheels first because even for like solo student training you have these two huge wheels in the front which help you and you have you you land on your belly first so you're landing on your you're landing lying prone and it's like really comfortable and safe feeling and then that's when they start to introduce you into landing on your feet, which is like, if you don't learn that, I don't know. I just landing on my feet for some people, I I've heard that it's like super easy, but I get, I have such a mental block of, of landing on my feet with a huge like device strapped onto my back. So I'm kind of bad at it.
2: <laughs> You'll get there. So what has been the I biggest know, yeah. surprise about hang gliding for you?
1: Oh man. Um, I think the biggest surprise might be um, how confident I am in my own decision making because you get it when you're learning, you have an instructor with you at all times, and they're constantly reaffirming or telling you which of your choices are bad or not. So, I myself am like a perfectionist and I really love to do things perfectly and right and like to the book. And I, um, once I was alone, I was kind of I expected myself to look more for to be a little bit worried for to need the like validation of my instructor and I just didn't you know I was really confident in my decision making that I had when I was doing my approach and when I would hit a little bit of bumpy air and I was really I was really happy about that.
0: So we want to thank our sponsor, Athletic Brewing, for promoting a healthy lifestyle through making some of the world's best non-alcoholic craft beer. They make excellent tasting N.A. for healthy, active, modern adults. They use certified all-organic grains, and each can of non-alcoholic beer is only between 50 and 70 calories. They have IPA, golden ale, stouts and tons of seasonal offerings. And recently, they actually just took home the gold medal at the U.S. Open Beer Championships for their double hop IPA. If you would like to get your hands on some, you can save 15% by using the code ADVENTURE at athleticbrewing.com. Athletic Brewing, the best tasting way to keep your promises. And also want to thank our sponsor, CS Instant Coffee, for making this show happen. They make 100% Arabica instant coffee. They use compostable packaging, and each package makes about 20 ounces of coffee. So I'll take one of those with me on an overnight trip, and it makes two pretty good-sized cups of coffee. And it's an awesome feeling knowing I can just throw that in my backpack, find some hot water, and I'm good to go. Save 20% by using the code ADVENTURE at CSInstant.coffee.
2: Well, here's a question that just popped into my mind. When I was doing a little bit of flying in uh, planes, right? I flew a couple yeah. of Cessnas, but then I ended up flying a, kind of a, a souped-up Mooney. And <laughs> the reason I mention that is because the, the Cessnas, when you're holding the yoke and you want to move the plane around, there's quite a bit of, of uh, movement to make the plane do what you want. And then I got in this souped-up <laughs> Mooney. And all you do is just change the amount of pressure on your fingertips. And the, oh. the plane responds. And I've always looked at a hang glider, and I thought, okay, so is it like the Cessna where I'm really moving things around to get what I want, or is it more subtle? That sounded so like an I, F-16. Was that I, an F-16? It was
1: a- no, it's another bus. It was actually Ugh. a metro
2: bus. So, that's close. Tell everybody it was... it was an F16 next time, okay? That you're on your <laughs> you're on your hang glider right now and one just went by and you're caught in the jet stream and
1: <laughs> Oh man, I wish that would be so nice. <laughs> yeah.
2: So back to the question though. How oh, yeah. how responsive are they?
1: So I'm in like a beginner glider, so they're not they're really stable so that means basically they just want to kind of stay straight so the amount of input that I have to put in is huge like when I was when I was like thermaling I was like basically like doing like a one-arm pull-up with one arm and like you know pushing out with the opposing to like stay to stay in the thermal or at least I was because that's like that glider just wants to fly straight but as I've heard you know the really high performance gliders are like You need a lot less input to to control them, so it it can go either way, really. Just for me, I have to put in a lot, and I haven't had the chance to fly like a high performance one, so I haven't got to experience how sensitive they are. Mm. Um, but I've heard they're super easy. Like, but they're you know you can't just jump right into that because you'll hurt yourself. Yeah, exactly.
2: So let's let's get a mental picture of what's going on here. You're hanging underneath the wing. You've got a triangle. Of bars that comes under you that you can hang on to and as you shift the bars around the angle of the yep. wing is changing but you're still kind of the center of gravity of this thing because you're hanging there right yeah and so you move the bar to the right and you're going to go left you move the bar to the left and you're going to go right you move the bar out you're going to tip up and if you move the bar in you're going to tip down did I get it right
1: yeah um you're not really moving the bar. You're moving your body in position to the, relative to the bar. So you're so you're hanging, um, you're hanging, you know, from uh, the king post, I believe it is, not the king post, the keel. So you're hanging like around the middle of that like vertical, um, Got it. Per- perpendicular to the wings. Yep. And you're pulling your body to the left, and that's putting that input in. So that was like another mistake I made. I would always try to move the bar around instead of moving my body over or you know to the side of the bar i would just try to move the bar with my arms and really it's like all in your hips and i have such trouble doing that i'm actually a terrible dancer too so that made a lot of sense i was like okay well i'm not good at this for that reason and um but it's really you know it's really just you're moving your whole body kind of like a pencil relative to the bar and that's what makes it you know move to the right and stuff
2: you know whitewater kayaking is like that too People think you're pushing yes. yourself around with a paddle, but no, you're moving the boat around with your hips.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. And I learned that, too, because um, that's what I do. And and that also kayaking and like flying, you know, the, the atmosphere isn't just empty. It has density to it. So the way it moves over the mountains and the way it's the same thing as the way like water moves over, you know, rocks and creates eddies and that. Ah. So that was something else that I thought really helped me and like kind of helps me move around within the like atmosphere, even though you can't see it. It's just like, you know, you kind of you're kind of that like you're reacting with your hips, like very like in very small movements relative to like what you're feeling in the air or in the water. Cool. You know.
2: All right. How about this one? We love this. We haven't asked this story in a while for this story, but a time that things went wrong, something that shook you up a little bit.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh like my first like aero tow so my first like flight the actual there's um this thing called a bridle so that's what connects your um that's what connects your harness to kind of the hang glider and then the tow line connects to that and to the airplane and I was connected to it in my very first like solo on aero so my very first solo flight without anyone around me we went up like, (laughs) we went up, I don't know, probably only like, it was probably only like 15 or 20 feet, but it felt super high to me. So as soon as I started, I got, you're on this like dolly cart. So you're holding onto it and the plane starts going. And once you have enough lift, you let go of the dolly cart and you shoot up over the airplane. And the first, the very first, like right when I shot up, the line broke. So I (laughs) I was like, Oh no. (laughs) So I was still had enough runway left to pull in and like safely land. Um, but it wasn't, I didn't go over that hypothetical situation with my instructor, um, until the very, the first flight before that he, because I said, what if I was like, what if the line breaks prematurely? And then we simulated that, and then I was like, Oh, okay. She's like, that'll never happen though, like you'll be fine. <laughs> the very first flight, <laughs> that's what happened. And I was like, Oh I was like kind of shook shaken up and you know, everything was fine. And I um we did a you know, another flight right after that and it was it was fine. But that's so I didn't funny. anticipate yeah, I didn't anticipate that to happen because that's just something you just hope won't happen, you know.
2: <laughs> you know, and things like that do happen and that make for the best stories. I'm not advising anyone to do what I'm getting ready to say because it was a bad idea, but still it was great. my first scuba dive was not in a pool. I didn't take lessons. I just went, and I ran out of air at seventy feet. No for real now and and i I can keep going with this. My first sky dive tandem dive, the drogue chute that holds you so you don't fall faster than a single diver skydiver right The, the drogue chute got tangled in our warble our <gasps> so it was all tangled up and it couldn't pull our mane. and oh <laughs> my god every time i try something it seems like something goes unplanned right something was unplanned but it was <laughs> fine the instructor knew what to do and he maneuvered around till he finally managed to grab something and fling it out into the air and it, and it actually did go ahead and deploy but <laughs> these things happen and so on your first solo flight the line breaks
1: I know and that's the thing too is like everyone that will act calm and collected in front of you and then like when it's all said and done like a week later they will be like oh I was so scared like I was like oh I was like I don't trust you anymore and you know and even I'm sure you felt like did you feel safe when you were skydiving how did that feel like when you looked up and you saw that did you like comprehend?
2: <laughs> it? <It's> like, <laughs> I actually wasn't sure what was going on because I was underneath the instructor <laughs> I couldn't really look sure. up I just knew that yeah, so... we were going really fast and I was having a lot of fun and <laughs> Yeah.
1: And that's like ignorance is bliss. You're it like is... you don't know like what's going right, like what's wrong right? It's so like Woo!
2: <laughs> well, the one thing that I should have put together but in my lack of experience had no idea is that when the, the pilot or the drogue chute, you know, finally did deploy, the lines were still twisted and it caused oh. us to spin. So we were spinning and I'm watching the world go in circles and I'm going, why are we spinning? Why are we spinning? And then (laughs) later I found out that it was because of the way that that chute deployed. And then, of course, we corrected it and it just had a beautiful dive. But I I wanted to bring Uh, that up anyway because that's the closest I've been to hang gliding is after we opened our main and I got to fly the canopy to the ground. I was enthralled by that experience and I thought that has to be similar in some way to what you're doing.
1: Hmm. Um, are you referring to like the wonderful feeling when your feet touch the ground again? I mean, what
2: are are you? (laughs) No, my, actually, what was fun is I got to pull the toggle and, and do a corkscrew Um, and really fly that wing a little bit and feel the G forces and how the air was responding to what I was doing. Yeah. that feeling when we were still 2000 feet up, right? Yeah. So is it just amazing
1: yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you're, because you're in control, you're, I mean, you're in control as far as you can be, so it, I know what you're feeling because I've also skydived. It was only tandem, um, which isn't, I don't know, I, I, I can't do really anything. I was just there experiencing it. And, um, but it is similar in that, you know, nothing else really matters, only those inputs that you're putting in and reacting with the atmosphere in. So, I mean, I thought it was, I thought skydiving was wonderful too. It was just something that I couldn't really at the time chase, but I think hang gliding itself is that a similar feeling to that.
2: Mm. So how are they different?
1: Well, I mean, how are, how is hang gliding and skydiving different?
2: Yeah. Let's, let's talk about when you're under canopy, right? Because free fall, hopefully you're not going to do that when you're hang gliding. Let's just not go there for now. But <laughs> <laughs> skydiving has free fall, right? But once you're under canopy, how is it different when you're on the hang glider versus under canopy on the parachute?
1: Well, um, I don't really know how well the canopies work. I'm sure they're similar to like paragliding, um, you know, that that arc shaped um, chute, but they're different because basically it's just the structure and the way, the kind of input that you have to put into it. So you are you have all of those lines connecting to what well, I'm assuming they're similar. You have all those lines connecting to the canopy and you're sitting in a harness and you're constantly having to change the shape of the wing relative to the wind. Whereas in hang gliders, you know, that structure is already set with the bars. So the amount of input that you have to put in to control it is way different because it's weight shift and not necessarily changing the, the shape of the canopy in reaction to the wind to get to move around.
2: I would think that hang gliding then is going to be a little crisper and maybe even more responsive. It's a more yeah. of a subtle art maybe.
1: I think the, the only difference I've really seen is like para, paragliding has to take off in those like softer winds and, um, and hang gliding can go in higher winds. And, and I think that we can handle like our own, like, vessels can handle a lot stronger conditions that, you know, paragliding or skydiving can because we can, like, cut through the air better. But I'm, I'm kind of speculating, so I, I don't know if I'm really the most trustworthy person. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know what I'm enjoying, though, so much is your enthusiasm for something that's a relatively new sport. I love that because... You know, it's fun when we get people on the show that have done a thousand dives, but then they always are or a thousand flights or a thousand whatever. But then they're always like, "Yeah, well, I I do this." And when it's someone <laughs> like you, it's like every day is fresh and new and exciting, and that's what's so much yeah. fun, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. So your dude, your yeah. your boyfriend does both, paragliding and hang gliding, right?
1: Yeah, he does. He's he's amazing. He's I like I'm jealous of like how good he is at everything.
2: <laughs> Does he prefer one over the other?
1: I don't, you know, I don't know. I think there's really, cause I've been hearing him talk because he is like how I am in hang gliding right now. How I'm like so excited over every day. He's like that in paragliding, even though he's already had experience with it. Um, mm. He told me basically that the convenience of it is, you know, far greater. You have a backpack that you can hike up to a hill and literally fly off of it or you can hike up to a mountain and fly off of it and you just can't do that really in a hang glider because it's this when you pack up the actual you know when you pack up a hang glider it is like it is like eight feet long and it has like a foot of a diameter so
2: you're not going to backpack with it is what you're saying
1: Yeah, you basically can't, it's kind of hard to put that thing onto your shoulder and hike up the whole mountain with it. And he, he was you know, he talks about that all the time. He's like, it was wonderful. I just walked up to this hill and, and I, in five minutes I was ready to go fly. And, you know, and that's not really something that you can say about a hang glider, unless you're so experienced with it and putting it together that you can actually put it together in six minutes, but that might be like a safety hazard for someone who's new like me. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't I mean, do that.
2: I would put it together and then I would double check my, put it together. Then I would triple check my, put it together. And then I exactly. would stop and say, did I get that together? Right. <laughs> that would yeah, exactly,
1: be Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I have people check me while I'm in it. I'm like, check it one more time. And then they're about to leave. I'm like, wait, how are you sure you did? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it, it's just, and from what I've heard from people who, who do both, um, they're really different, um, different kinds of flight, which I haven't been able to experience yet. And I really hope to, I'm really interested in paragliding, but, um, I would rather just become like proficient at hang gliding first before I take on a new sport.
2: Hmm. That's, it sounds so delightful. So what is it really (laughs) like to soar like a bird?
1: Oh my gosh. It is so amazing. I like, I found, I found a vulture like underneath me the other day. And I saw him circling and I was like, woohoo, like, and I started circling with it. And it was just like, there was no one in the air. And I was alone just with this bird. And I was following it because I was like, you have more experience than me. And right. so, and so there was nothing really like it. It's so, and nowadays, like, I've like, everyone's outside and it's wonderful. Like, I think it's great that everyone like gets out, but it's really hard to be alone in nature. Unless right. you're in a place where you have to have permits and um, and you rarely on ever see any other person in the sky, so it's amazing like how silent it is and and how much time you have to like really appreciate you know where you're at.
2: Well, how long so, have you? Uh, let's say it this way: what has been one of your longer flights? How how long are you up there?
1: I think it was like most recently it was like an hour and a half maybe, wow. which is not long, but it was really fun because I got to, you know, thermal my way up and stay up like over and over again. And, you know, that bird I was talking about was the one that I was following and it helped me find another thermal to get back to the airport, which was really convenient and nice.
2: (laughs) Convenient. Um, (laughs) It's nice to land where you took off from. So were you towed up to start with?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was. They actually dropped me off in a thermal. So I was like, woohoo, like I didn't have to do any work to find it. I just had to work to stay in it. And it was, um, you know, you do the circles when you get in it, just like a paraglider and you're going up. And, you know, you hear that beeping of the variometer that like reassures you that you're still in the lift. And, and it's so much fun.
2: <laughs> so how high were you when you cut loose from the tow plane?
1: I I don't. So I was told I didn't look at my variometer, my altimeter um, when I was dropped off. I think they dropped me off at like 2,300 feet above ground level. So I didn't really gain much altitude than what I was. I lost it, of course, and I was able to gain it back. But I think it was like 2,300 feet. But sometimes they tow me to 3,000, so it could have been either of those.
2: Well, let's say that they tow you to 3,000 and there are no thermals and you're just going to glide back down to the ground. How long would that flight be?
1: Oh, um, probably like I don't know, like 15 minutes, depending on the sink that you're in,
0: wow. 15
1: or 30 minutes. Yeah, I I am like really bad to, with like t- knowing how much time I've been up in the air because when I came down, I thought it was only up for like 30 minutes and they're like, you were up there for forever. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it really depends on the amount of sink because when there's updrafts, you know, thermals, it's... Um, you know it's the earth that's heating up and something kicks off the whole atmosphere is a certain temperature let's just say that for example the atmosphere is a certain temperature and the earth is heating up the air it's closer to the ground and all of a sudden um, something kicks it up and all of that air bubbles up and just makes this this basically like funnel of right hot rising air so what that means basically around the air around it is that the colder air is getting pushed down back to earth
2: because
1: something needs to replace that air that's getting pushed up so there's like right after i got kicked out of this thermal and i was kind of far away from the airport and i was against the wind i got kicked out of this thermal and there was this huge downdraft that was just like pushing me like 600 feet per minute down and And I was losing a lot of altitude, and that was when I was like, "Oh, I've never landed in the desert before." I don't <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I was realizing I was like, "I'm in a headwind. I don't think I'm gonna get back." So as it's good to be in the desert because there's nothing here. It's flat, which I was like, "Okay, that's good." I was like, "Let's just be positive." I was like, "It looks like it's pretty empty out here," and then um, I luckily I saw that one bird that helped me get back up and get over to the airport, but. So it really depends on the way the temperature, you know, the way the air is behaving depend, depends, will really change, like, how long you're up or, or down, potentially.
2: Right. It's so fun to, to think about something that we can't even see, that we're trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, reason out where is the lift going to be? Where's the sink going to be? Oh, there's the wind. What's it going to do to me? And to try to put that puzzle together so you can actually land close to where you took off from. I mean, that, that I've always thought about that with hot air balloons. Wow, that's hard, too. And they can even go up <laughs> at will, right? But I don't yeah, know. I, it's got to be crazy.
1: I don't know. I've never been in a hot air balloon. But I mean, I don't think I, I mean, that was my really first introduct- introduction to like a physical, a visual representation of hot air rising. So I think, I mean, it's it's like, it's a mystery each time you're in it you never know where it's going to be or you can assume based on other people's you know knowledge of that location there's going to be there's usually hot air rising here and and um sometimes there's rotor there's like turbulent air behind this building if you get closer to the ground so it's it's just a trick and i i don't have a lot of experience so i have to go off of the really experienced people and and i'm just kind of looking forward to putting myself in those situations where I'm a little bit more uncomfortable with the kind of air I'm around just because you can't see it. But you know, based on other people's experience, that it's going to be rough and you're going to have to really be on top of the inputs that you're putting in to the glider.
2: Wow. But how much fun is it to be at the stage where you're learning those things, right? It's, it's so exciting. Yeah,
1: it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's nice to be good at things too, but I I really appreciate learning like a new skill every time I go out there getting to hone an old skill and get better, you know, things that's,
2: that's a lot of fun. Well, man. So I, I know that our listeners must have a thousand questions I have not asked yet, but here's one. How expensive is it really?
1: Oh, um, it's, it's really not that expensive to get into. So to start, I believe the basic lesson package is like, around 700 bucks for like seven or 10 flights so if you're thinking about instruction and flying an aircraft you know it's like 100 bucks a lesson and from there I'm not quite sure but I do know that you can get like a really good glider for like two grand and they can last you for like ever so there's only like that initial cost like if you're climbing you know how you have to buy your you mostly have to buy your gear once and if you take care of it it'll last you forever it's really similar to that. Mm, okay. It's not. It's not as expensive as um, the sailplanes were, and the actual pilot, you know, instruction was. Right. I think both of those were like 160 per flight in total. Um, but really, it's just like sailplanes. You're going to be doing it as a hobby, so you kind of have to pick and choose, and if. You know, you can only have so many expensive hobbies if you have a certain income. (laughs) Sure. And if you're going to, yeah, but I would, um, I would kind of equate it to, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it reminds me a lot of like trad climbing. You have to have all your, your gear. So it's, it's pretty, it's affordable if you want to put the time and effort into it, which a lot of people don't have that, you know, that opportunity. Right. Nowadays, I've noticed.
2: Well, in the training that you're doing, do you have certification levels? Will they sign you off eventually and say, okay, you're the expert. Go have fun.
1: So um, there's the U.S. Hang Gliding and Paragliding Association, which is like you pay to be a member, and then um, I think you pay for each rating that you get. So basically, um, you have like a hang one, a hang two. I think it goes up to hang five, and that basically... You know, you have to get a sign off from an instructor saying that you have these certain skills to be a hang one, or you have the certain skills to be a hang two. I think hang two is like aerotowing capabilities. So there are certain qualifications, there are certain certifications that have you have to meet the certain criteria and be approved by someone who was certified by the US HPA, USHPA for short, um, in order to fly certain sites that are covered by I don't think that necessarily means like you're safe you don't need any advice because there's this like common thing that's called intermediate syndrome that that I always hear about and I'm like definitely afraid of having it it's you know novice pilots or pilots that have like 50 to 100 hours who feel confident in their you know they feel confident in their abilities to fly So they're really hard to take advice from more experienced pilots. You know, they feel like they know it all and they're invincible because they haven't had an accident yet or for some reason or another, they are just really hard headed. Um, So I think that if even though you have these certifications, it's really to your benefit to go with someone who is more knowledgeable and, you know, really have a small ego and just be open to critical like advice because it's really in the end of the day you know you're putting your own life on the line and you should be around someone who is experienced and who you trust to tell you if you're doing something stupid or tell you if they think it's dangerous you know because most of the time like most of the pilots I've been around are really on it. I don't think there's a moment where you can really know it all.
2: I think that's wise, and I love what you say because it applies to so many sports. Training matters so much for safety, and most adventure sports are very safe with the right training and the right conditions and all of that sort of thing. And But that's what matters, right, is the training. But that overconfidence yeah. saying, okay, now I know it all, that's what gets us in trouble. Uh, the, yeah. The climbing guide that fell off of the Grand Teton last summer. Yeah. You know, he how many times had he been up there? How many times had he done that rappel? How many times had he taught other people how to do it? But that day, for some reason, my understanding is, and I might be wrong, he thought that he was on rope and he was off. And he just leaned back a little bit, and that was that, you know? And so that's what happens when things become too routine, and we think we know what we're doing, and we make those mistakes. And there's we just really can't allow ourselves to do that. So, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that really, really matters. And it, it always comes when you have some experience, enough to feel confident, but not enough experience to really, really know. Right.
1: Yeah. That's true. And then, you know, in the end, you can do everything right, and circumstances will decide it was still not, you know,
2: got to roll um, with the punches.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really fun. I, you know, that, all of that translates over to your day-to-day experiences. We don't, I don't really, I'm so like, I'm a novice in basically everything. And it's really nice to to have people around me that help keep me in check. And I think it's pretty, I think it's fun. I think it's a really good community and you build really good relationships with people that you trust. And overall, it's been like a really good experience.
2: So it sounds to me like this is really brought a a lot of new enthusiasm and enrichment to your life. Am I overstating that or (laughs) understating that?
1: No, no, you're right. You're right. There's it overall. I'm happy when I'm on the ground. I'm like, totally thankful to be here. I'm like, yes, like this means I did something right.
2: (laughs) Nice. But
1: but, yeah, I do. I do appreciate all the time I have and, you know, any sport I do, when I come back from it, like unscathed or in one piece, I'm really thankful.
2: So it sounds to me like in your experience, anyway, adventure sports have uh, really contributed a lot to your joy and happiness. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Do you think other people should take up sports? What would be your advice?
1: I think um, having an open mind when you're when you're going and trying new things, I think, first of all, getting out there is the first part. And having an open and positive attitude is really important in order to be successful in anything. Because, you know, most of the time when we try a new sport, we're not very good at it. Because there's all these, like, um, mind-body connections that you have to have. And, you know, it's like a lot of repetition And anything like mountain biking or climbing or flying. We don't know anything off the bat, so it's really important too be positive because all of these experiences translate over to your confidence and real time and um, your day-to-day activities.
2: Mm. Very well said. How fun. Well, do you have a parting story for us? One more story that is either funny or inspirational or somehow illustrates uh, what hang gliding is all about?
1: Oh, man. Um, oh, <laughs> I have this one that's kind of, um, it's kind of like, sad <laughs> it's All funny right. it's funny it was that it was embarrassing for me um i remember it was the other day i was like i was out at the airport where we you know where we fly out of and um you know the people who run it were there like hyping me up they're like oh you're doing so great with your landings i was like thanks i'm pretty happy like it's wonderful and i usually don't like you know i'm usually not that kind of outwardly confident person um i was like yeah Thanks, it's great. And that first like flight after that, I came to land and I tried to land on my feet and um, I just didn't flare right. So I tried, um, my feet were close to the ground and you know by the time my feet touched them, I tried running and I felt like I was going like 20 miles an hour. My feet ended up like <laughs> tangling into each other and I like smacked onto the ground and got the wind knocked out of me and I was like, wow, like that really hurt. I was <laughs> So, I mean, I don't think that really, I think that really represents like how humble you should probably be when you're learning a new sport and, you know, hang gliding really managed to check that in me because the moment I started like getting a little bit in over my head, it was like immediately like vanquished, like any ego was gone. (laughs) I was like, okay, I I remember now I'm doing this. It's, It's like, that was a new experience.
2: Nice. Well, adventure sports are like that. And it, it's like that no matter how long you've been doing it, too. You know, you may have been doing something for 20 years and it will still wake you up and say, guess what? you got to pay attention. <laughs>
1: That's kind of the yeah, fun it was of it, a, isn't it? Yeah, that was, was a hard lesson that my gut receives.
2: <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your excitement for hang gliding with us. I've really enjoyed our time. It went really, really fast. I think it's because yeah. it was just so much fun to, to hear how much fun you're having. So thank you for that time today.
1: All right. I appreciate it. Thanks.
2: Oh, you bet. And for all the listeners out there, hang gliding. Wow. Doesn't that sound like fun? Until the next show, make sure that you do something to get out there and have some fun.
0: Well, first of all, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It really means the world to us that you want to spend your time with us. If you'd like to help us further, please just leave us a review on iTunes. Share us on social media. Tell your friends about us. You can become a patron, a supporter of the show for $5 a month at patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. And if you know somebody that would make a good guest, reach out. We're always looking for good adventure and outdoor things stories and lastly thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now athletic brewing makes the best non-alcoholic craft beer go to their website at athleticbrewing.com and use the code in our show notes to save 15 percent on your first order after all this adventure talk if you're needing some gear yourself but you need some advice before buying Go to backpacktribe.com where you can ask questions to the owners who have experience with all the gear as well as all of it for sale right there on their website.